All right. Thank you so much, Tim. So like Tim alluded to, we will be going through a story where we're doing some target exploration and cell line selection, utilizing Kyogen's Omicsoft and IPA. I am very excited to show you guys around Omicsoft because it looks like we have a bunch of new users for Omicsoft in the audience. And then a few folks that are also new to IPA, but looks like we have a few more seasoned IPA users. So this will be a really uh, excellent kind of journey that we'll take together. Now, because we are recording, I do have our legal disclaimer. The collagen products shown here are intended for molecular biology applications. These products are not intended for the diagnosis, prevention, or treatment of a disease. Now, we love to keep these webinars interactive, so I'm gonna ask a few favors of our participants here. So first and foremost, could you please participate by filling out those polls during the meeting? It helps us gather information about this and uh, future potential uh, trainings here to make sure that you guys are getting exactly what you're uh, bargaining for here. And then of course, if you have any questions throughout the talk, we have a few folks sitting behind the scenes, uh, Tim and Dev and Paul and Brittany that are happy to answer any and all questions that you have uh, during the talk here. And you can find that Q&A box at the bottom of your screen here. This is also where I'll go and have a look and take some live questions during a few of the breaks that we'll have during today's presentation. Now, along the lines of being interactive, I will also ask you guys questions from time to time, and I would love to see your responses using this raise hand button that's located uh, typically at the bottom of your screen here. So before we continue on, let's just make sure that everything is working. And if you guys could click on that raise hand button, that would be fabulous. Awesome, looks like we are Excellent, we are ready to rock and roll. So let's get to it. So here's a just brief agenda of what we'll be doing today. Like I said, we'll be going through both Omicsoft and IPA uh, to explore target um, targets as well as cell lines. So first things first, I will give you a few visualizations that we'll be generating today throughout the, uh, throughout the webinar here. And then we will start digging right into things where we will use both Omicsoft and IPA to look at things like gene expression for target of interest. Uh, what are some of the hotspots of uh, mutations for a target of interest? We'll then go and build a customized network to go and test out uh, hypotheses and silicos and really get a good understanding of those mechanisms of action. And then also we will go and have a look at some cell line data and try to choose some relevant cell lines for future experimentation here. So first things first, let's just talk about our use case for today. So here the scientist in question is looking to explore omics data for EGFR. They'd also like to go and select cell lines that they can use in future experiments and figure out how do different drug treatments affect those cell lines. So like I said, we'll be doing uh, all sorts of different views to answer these questions in both Ingenuity Pathway Analysis Software as well as our Omicsoft uh, lands. And in Omicsoft lands, we'll be visiting three repositories of sample information here. So the first one that we'll be visiting here is going to be TCGA, 
This is the Cancer Genome Atlas, contains a ton of different omics data for a whole bunch of different cancer types. So this will help us explore uh, both the gene expression and mutation uh, information in human cancers for our intended targeted interest. We'll then move on to CCLE, where this will give us an idea of what cell lines might be appropriate for looking at EGFR expression, as well as tap into some of the DEPMAP or gene dependency uh, scoring to look at how critical EGFR is as a gene for these different cell lines. And we'll talk about that again in a few more moments. And then finally, we'll land in this database called LINKS. Uh, it is the Library of Integrated Network-Based Cellular Signatures. I know that's a, a mouthful, but it is a very cool database where they have a uh, whole handful of different cultured human cell lines, and they've treated these cell lines with different molecules and genetic perturbations with different time points as well as different dosages. So this will allow us to have a look at how different treatments might be affecting this EGFR expression in our cell lines of interest. So along the way, we will be generating all sorts of different views, but I did want to give you guys an appetizer plate of what we'll be getting into today. So first and foremost, what we're going to do is we're going to crack into TCGA to have a look at EGFR expression and how it looks across different uh, cancer types and try to hone in on uh, maybe specific cancer types of interest here. So in this case, we're looking at both lung, squamous cell carcinoma, as well as adenocarcinoma, and looking at the overall EGFR uh, expression for these different uh, cancer types. We'll then quickly move into looking at EGFR expression and seeing how this affects survival of these patients. So again, we'll be in TCGA, where we'll go ahead and look at patient survival data and plot it with uh, EGFR expression, where we can see things like we have an up uh, regulation of EGFR in some of the lung adenocarcinoma patients that look like they have a much poorer outcome than folks that have either down regulation or no change. And then over here for uh, lung squamous cell carcinoma, it looks like we don't have a ton of difference here, but we do see it maybe a little bit poorer survival in those upregulated patients. So we'll spend some time generating these types of plots in Omicsoft as well. And then of course, uh, we always want to dip into some of the uh, genomic information behind these targets. So we'll be able to see things like uh, what cancer types have EGFR frequently mutated. And it looks like for lung cancers, lo and behold, of course, EGFR is highly mutated uh, in this lung adenocarcinoma. Um, to a smaller extent, it is mutated also in lung uh, squamous cell carcinoma. We can then dig into that information and have a look at the uh, landscape of all of these different mutations. So here, once again, we're looking at the gene EGFR and all of the different mutations that pop up in this particular gene, and it's all nicely color-coded here. So of course, we can see some of our hotspots kind of popping up here, so that L858R is definitely a hotspot in EGFR. So this gives us a nice uh, look at that landscape of those somatic mutations and how what they look like in our different uh, cancers of interest. 
we'll then move right along into CCLE, where we can have a look at EGFR expression and try to pinpoint some different cell lines that might have uh, lower EGFR expression and some higher EGFR expression so we can play around with them at the bench. So for instance, maybe we were honing in on adenocarcinoma, so maybe I'd want to grab some of these uh, cell lines because it looks like they have lower gene expression for EGFR. And then maybe I'll grab some of these cell lines over here that have a little bit higher gene expression for EGFR. So I can have a nice low and then a high uh, cohort to kind of uh, compare and contrast at the bench here. We'll then dig into some of the uh, DEPMAP data, so the gene dependency data. Today, we'll be looking at the CRISPR uh, knockouts here. We'll be looking at a series score, which tells us how essential a particular gene is for cell line survival. So the lower that series score is, the more essential for cell line survival that particular gene is versus the higher the score is, the less essential for gene, uh, for cell line survival here. So perhaps you'd wanna grab a few of these cell lines from either side of the spectrum to investigate exactly how um, this looks at the bench. We will then end up, like I said, in the links database, which is a bunch of cell lines that have been treated with different genetic perturbagens, where we can have a look at some of the common treatments for uh, cancers that target EGFR and pick out uh, maybe some other cell lines and what they're gonna look like when we uh, perhaps treat them with something like a tyrosine kinase inhibitor here. So you can see that we have our cell lines colored uh, by reds and greens. And once again, these are cell lines that have been treated with all sorts of uh, different dosages and time points. So it really gives you a nice look at what these potential cell lines will do when you say treat them with something like a fatinib um, across these different cell lines. We'll then also have a journey into IPA, so Ingenuity Pathway Analysis Software, where we'll take our target of interest, EGFR, and investigate how EGFR affects things like lung adenocarcinoma or any other uh, common um, disease or functions that are involved with lung adenocarcinoma here. So we'll be able to uh, fill in the gaps is what I like to call it, to find out what genes does EGFR affect, which then uh, in turn affect our downstream outcomes some by, in some way, shape or form here. So we can generate this custom network from scratch and I'll show you all of the cool tools that we have available at IBA to do so. And then we're gonna take it a step further and we can do some in silico testing. So what we can do is on our custom network, we can say, all right, what happens if I were to upregulate EGFR? So our red color is showing that we have an increased measurement of EGFR. What does that do to our entire network? Well, it will color some of these downstream nodes in different colors. So if something were predicted to be activated due to this EGFR upregulation, you'll see this orange color. And then if it was predicted to be inhibited, you'll also see this blue color appearing. And then of course, downstream, we will also see a prediction on our downstream disease or, or function to see exactly how 
does increased EGFR affect lung adenocarcinoma? And of course, since it's uh, orange, we will see an upregulation or uh, an increase uh, of lung adenocarcinoma in this particular uh, network. And then, of course, the inverse is what happens when we uh, downregulate EGFR or knock it out. Well, lots of these uh, same exact uh, downstream genes will also uh, be affected with a, a, a predicted in inhibition of many of them, as well as a handful of predicted activation, which then in turn will contribute to an overall decrease in lung adenocarcinoma. So once we have all of this information at the ready, we can then ask questions like, all right, it seems to be that this particular pattern of genes, downregulation, upregulation is important for the biology in my experiment. Now, what publicly available data sets seem to also have this similar biology going on? So we'll use something called pattern search, which will allow us to say, all right, for our upregulated uh, EGFR network, where do we have data sets that seem to be matching this disease state? So this will probably be a whole bunch of other lung uh, adenocarcinoma uh, data sets, and then perhaps a smattering of other different cancer types. So this is a great way to investigate new indications for cancers or diseases that maybe you haven't thought about before, but seem to be sharing similar biology to what you're examining in your experiment today. On the other hand, we have situations where it is matching the opposite effect. So we'll have a situation where EGFR is down and everybody else in the network seems to also be in a more inhibited state. So in this case, this could be situations where we're moving from that disease state over back towards that more normal state. So you can imagine these data sets could show us really interesting treatments that maybe we haven't thought of before, or treatments that we could potentially use in combination ther uh, therapies with an EGFR um, targeting drug. So that uh, concludes the appetizer plate of all of the views that we'll be generating today in uh, IPA. So I'm gonna go ahead and launch a poll just to double check and make sure that these are the types of views and illustrations that you guys were hoping to generate when you saw this webinar uh, come by uh, your email here. So let us know if these views are something that you're interested in seeing. And if there is something that I didn't show uh, today, definitely let us know in the Q&A box or in the chat box, and we could try to uh, make sure to cover it during one of the Q&A breaks here. Okay, like I said, here is our agenda once again for today. So we've already done our first bit. So now we're gonna crack into uh, the fun part of the session here. But before we get there, I did wanna give you guys just an overview of what Omicsoft Lands is. So Omicsoft Studio is a uh, software that contains lots of curated uh, sample information and content and genomics resources, as well as a whole suite of analysis tools. So if you're looking for something to do your RNA sequencing, 
um, alignments and differential expression. Omicsoft definitely has some tools to do that as well. But today we are gonna be focused mostly on that sample level information in Omicsoft lands. And what we've done is we've divvied up these lands into a few different compartments. So we have our Onco land, which contains all of our cancer focused samples, our disease land, which is all non-oncology like samples, and then our single cell land, which is really um, a handful of both our um, diseases and onco, uh, oncological samples, but this is gonna be where all of the single cell data uh, lives. And of course, this is gonna be across a whole myriad of different uh, tissue types. And then uh, we have a bunch of pre-generated comparisons and all sorts of different statistics for you guys to uh, review in, the, in this land data. So how does this data get into Omicsoft? Well, first and foremost, we have a whole team of curation scientists that go out and they read papers and different um, cancer, cancer consortia or different omics databases. And they'll go over them with their actual uh, physical eyeballs. We're not using natural language processing or just scraping and dumping data into Omicsoft lands. We are doing a very manually curated uh, process on these data. And it will go through two different channels. So the first channel is gonna be, we're gonna grab the raw data. So all of those FASTQ files or the microarray data, we're gonna grab that data in its raw state and we are going to reprocess everything through similar pipelines. So this way we have harmonized data regardless of where it's coming from. So if you have an RNA sequencing experiment that you're interested in that got processed halfway across the globe using some sort of normalization parameters that you just don't know about, and say somebody on the street processed a different data set and you wanted to compare them, in Omicsoft you're able to do that because those samples have undergone the same exact processing, normalization, and QC processes to make it um, in a nicely harmonized uh, format so it's a more apples to apples comparison. Now, while we are doing that raw data signal, uh, raw data processing, we are also doing the metadata curation over um, again. So here we have multiple curators looking over all of this information. About five to 10% of the time, the errors that we encounter are going to be uh, severe enough that we actually have to go back and contact the authors themselves to try to figure out exactly what happened, right? It's really easy to make errors when you're submitting things into geo. Just a slip of a finger can cause a, uh, you know, a fill down error in your cell lines or things like that. So we want to make sure that everything is up to par before it hits Omicsoft lands. And then, of course, once those are done, we are handing this over to our data analysis team and they will generate some statistical modeling. They'll have a look at the paper and say, all right, I think scientists out there would love to see these types of comparisons, whether it's, you know, disease versus normal, treatment one versus treatment two, all of those types of comparisons. And uh, the post-analysis QC, also a very important point to make sure that everything is up to par before it ultimately gets put into our LANS databases here. So without further ado, let's get right into the software itself. And before we even start our journey, we need to select what land we'd like to explore. 
So first things first, we have a bunch of different tabs that are across the top of the screen here. So we will primarily be playing in this land tab. But if you wanted to do something like RNA sequencing analysis or single cell seq uh, analysis, single cell seq analysis, uh, feel free to visit that analysis tab as well. So we're going to want to go ahead and click on our land tab. And then once we've done that, we're going to go ahead and do uh, click on this select land button. When I open up the select land button, you'll see that we have a bunch of collections uh, mapped out in a kind of more easy to, to view format. So at the top of the list, we have our body map collection. So this is going to be a smattering of normal uh, tissues here. So we have GTEx. Uh, one of the most common type of portals for normal tissue and gene expression, human protein atlas. Uh, Blueprint is a very interesting one. So Blueprint was a repository or a data repository that collected a bunch of epigenetic information. But doing so, they also collected a bunch of hemopoietic uh, cell type information. So if you're looking to investigate hey, you know, what are what does my gene of interest look like across all of these different, um, you know, macrophages and T cells and all of that jazz? You'd want to go and have a look at this, these blueprint uh, collections here. Next on the list is going to be our cell line collections. This is uh, where all of our cell line information will live. Uh, CCLE is going to be the one that we visit today. I do also want to make a plug here that we have recently entered into a collaboration with ATCC to generate uh, gold standard data, really, to look at all of these different cell lines that are being used out in uh, the wild to make sure that we have a nice genomic kind of fingerprint of these cell lines. So if the ATCC cell line collection is something of interest to you, definitely reach out to us and we can chat about how we can get that into your organization here, or if you just wanted to learn more about it. Now, moving down the list, we have our disease land collection. Of course, this is where our non-oncological diseases uh, live, and it's divvied up by human, mouse, and rat. Lynx also lives in this disease land collection. So if you're looking for lynx, this is where this lives. And then we have our Oncoland collection, where we have a huge list of different oncology-focused collections here. And of course, we'll be focusing on TCGA. And then scrolling down the list, we have our single-cell land collection. So let's start our journey in TCGA. So I'm going to go ahead and select the most recent version of TCGA. So that's going to be genome build B38 using the cell annotation file GC33. So I'm just going to go ahead and give this one a click. So select land, TCGA B38. And this will load up our land. So again, just to get our bearings. Over here on the left-hand side, you'll notice that we have a bunch of different filters that we can apply to the data that we're viewing in this middle of the screen here. So these filters are very, very rich, and the metadata goes very, very, very deep. So feel free to explore those and um, try to find individual uh, metadata fields of interest. Another uh, tip and trick is to use the search window at the top. So if you're looking for a specific metadata column, but you're not sure exactly what it's called, feel free to use that search box to um, have a browse around what is available for metadata. 
So like I said, this middle here is going to be our visualization. So our bar charts, our survival plots, everything will live in this uh, center screen here. And then over on the uh, right hand side, you'll notice that we have these other tabs here. So one of them is going to be our legend. That's going to tell us what these colors are that we're seeing in this middle pane here. But more importantly, we have this task tab. This task tab will allow us to manipulate what we see in the middle here. So we can change things like uh, the names of the uh, different tumor types or how they're split up, uh, different colors, things like that. And I'll show you how to do that as we go through our journey here. And then lastly, if you're interested in a specific uh, tumor type, what you can do is go ahead and click into these bars or use a click and drag a box around different portions of this plot to select those different samples. You'll notice down here at the bottom of the screen, you'll get a lot of sample level information about uh, what you've selected and we can scroll over and down. There's a ton of information in there. I did also wanna point out this little plus sign bar over tucked away on the side. Lots of folks usually miss it, so I wanted to bring it to your attention. Underneath this plus sign, you'll typically see a lot more information that could be available to, to browse. So here, for instance, we have clinical details also available for these samples that we have selected here. Okay, I digress. So let's start our uh, journey here throughout our scientific question of, hey, what do the omics look like for EGFR across different cancer types? I want to go and look for maybe cell lines that I can use to experiment with, as well as different treatments to maybe uh, employ within my uh, bench experiments here. So first things first, let's go and search for our gene of interest using this search box. We're just very simply going to type in KRAS into this search box here. One other tip and trick is if you have multiple genes that you would like to search on, that uh, is going to be available underneath this advanced tab here. You'll see that you can search for multiple genes um, at this time here. But for today, we're going to try to keep things a little bit more on the simple side. So we're just going to type KRAS into this search box. And then you can choose either that top level gene KRAS. Maybe you're interested in different um, isoforms. You can choose those isoforms. But just generally today, we're going to just grab that top level gene KRAS. So I'll give that a click. And what it's going to do is um, I like to call that the Omicsoft thinking screen, where it's going and grabbing all of the KRAS uh, related information from the database and presenting it to us um, right now. So the next thing that we can do is let's go and hone in onto different maybe uh, diseases or cancer types of interest here. So first things first, let's change our uh, names for tumor type that appear over here on our y-axis to something that's a little bit more meaningful. Maybe some of you guys have memorized all these acronyms. I certainly have not. So I do like changing these over just so I know exactly what I'm looking at. So what we're going to do is we're going to travel over to the right-hand side of the screen, and we're going to click on that task tab. And from here, what we can do is we can specify profile columns, which is going to be the second uh, option on the data list, where we can go and change our tumor type over to um, something that's a little bit more meaningful here. 
Now, before we even do that, let's go and um, let's just filter out some of this, some of these other samples. So we have a little bit more breathing room on our chart here. So first things first, let's go and open up our metadata filters here. So go ahead and click on that little uh, plus sign. Now you'll notice that there is a ton of different stuff that we can filter by, including uh, down here, we have some of those uh, papers that scientists love to refer to, all annotated and ready for you to slice and dice your data by those particular papers. So be sure to visit those because there's a wealth of information in there. Right now, we're just gonna very simply use the filter for disease category, and we are going to hone in on to respiratory uh, cancers, since this seems, uh, EGFR mutants seem to really pop up in uh, lung um, adenocarcinoma. So there's a few ways we can do this. We can either go and deselect different uh, disease categories, or we can make this a little bit easier on ourselves and click on this filter icon. So let's click on the filter icon and this will pop out a window that will ask you, hey, what do you want to uh, filter to? So in this case, I just wanna filter to respiratory system cancer. So here I can just quickly click on that. If the list were longer, you can use this little search box at the top to try to hone in to what you uh, would like to filter by. In this case, it's a nice short list. So let's grab respiratory system cancer. And here we're gonna click on okay. So here now we have our LUAD, LUSC and MESO. So these cancer types are uh, different respiratory system cancers. And of course we are interested in looking at the uh, EGFR gene expression across these different cancer types. So now what we're gonna do is we're actually gonna switch from this view that we're on right now which is what percentage of samples for these different cancer types have altered KRAS. You can find what type of alterations are uh, these are over on the right-hand side. But let's go over and um, change this to our gene expression view. So we're gonna go ahead and click on select view. And you'll notice there's a ton of different uh, omics data that we can uh, peruse. So let's scroll down the list here until we end up at this RNA-seq quantification uh, bar. What we're gonna do is we're gonna open that bar up by clicking on those two little down arrows. So select view, RNA-C quantification. And then here, we're just gonna simply click on gene FPKM. This is gonna go grab the gene expression data for KRAS, and it's gonna help us look across these three uh, respiratory system cancer types. Now from here, we can go and um, change what we see in the middle here, like I said before, using that task tab. So let's go and first things first, uh, do that specify profile columns here. And instead of just looking at the tumor type acronyms, we're gonna go into metadata and we are gonna grab this uh, disease TCGA. We'll have the full uh, terminology kind of spelt out for us. So let's go ahead and grab that uh, disease TCGA. So now we see what those acronyms mean and we don't have to uh, play a guessing game if you don't remember what they are. So here um, also we can try to break out these bar charts between our normal uh, tissues as well as our cancer tissues here. 
So once again, we're to go um, into task where you can either, you can choose that specified profile columns. Once again, we're gonna go into metadata and we're gonna go by uh, tumor or normal uh, function here. And we're just gonna add it over onto the right-hand panel of this uh, pop-up. So now we have tumor type, disease TCGA, and tumor or normal. So from here, we're gonna go ahead and click on okay. So this allows us to look at this data um, a little bit easier where we can see that there's a little bit of difference between our normals and our tumors for uh, lung squamous cell, as well as lung adenocarcinoma. So now that we have a good handle on what this looks like, or rather what K uh, KRAS uh, gene expression looks like, and just a quick reminder, if you're not uh, used to looking at these charts, all along the x-axis is going to be our gene expression. So the higher up these dots are on this axis, the more highly expressed KRAS is. If you wanted to hone in and say, all right, what are these individual samples that seem to be really high in KRAS, you can drag a box around them and have a look at the actual sample list. And then remember to visit our old friend, the uh, plus sign here to have a look at a whole bunch of other information tucked away underneath that little plus sign uh, sidebar there. So now, like I said, we have a good handle on the gene expression. Maybe we want to go and have a look at our mutation data for KRAS. So that's gonna involve us going up into select view once again, where we can now scroll down to our DNA sequencing area. So this is gonna be where all of our um, robust mutation data lives. So again, select land, I'm sorry, select uh, view, DNA sequencing, click on the little arrows to open it up. And the first thing that we're gonna look at is just the mutation uh, the somatic mutation distribution. So this is just gonna give us a quick idea of what percent of the samples present for all of these different indications seem to be mutated. So of course, it looks like we have a pretty high number for lung adenocarcinoma. And for those different types of mutation, you can have a look over here at the legend. Um, for those, uh, for the just a quick kind of synopsis of what do these individual uh, indications look like just across the board for somatic mutations within KRAS. Now to take a little bit deeper dive into this, we're gonna go back to our select view button. When we get down to that DNA sequencing uh, information area, we're gonna go ahead and choose the mutation distribution here. So, I'm sorry, mutation uh, landscape. So from that distribution, we saw kind of generally what percentage of samples were mutated for our different disease indications. Um, here we're taking a more kind of bird's eye look at uh, what types of, of mutations are appearing most frequently for this particular uh, gene of interest here. So we can see all sorts of different um, uh, hotspots that are kind of rising out of the ether here. So G12V, uh, we have G12C, so on and um, so forth. And I actually just realized um, at this moment that I've been looking at the gene KRAS rather than the EGFR, uh, the EGFR example that we were supposed to go through um, today. So I apologize for that.
let's get back on track um, since I had a little side journey. Apparently, I was uh, really happy about looking at EG, uh, at uh, KRAS here. So let's just switch our view over to um, EGFR. So we would go through those same exact steps to look at the gene expression information across our lung cancers. And we'd also have a look at our uh, mutation information um, as well. So here, let's go to the mutation landscape. So here, once again, you're seeing a lot of hotspots that are rising out of the out of the mist here. So if we once again, just quickly filter to our respiratory system cancer. Now we can have a look at all of the, the lung specific uh, mutation information here. So here's our hotspot L858R that's uh, really rising to the surface as a, an important hotspot here. And if you wanted to know what the annotation for those different uh, mutation types are, feel free to go ahead and look at that legend. It's gonna show you that um, this is um, an exon coding non-synonymous uh, mutation here. Okay, so now we have under our belts the uh, information about uh, EGFR being expressed across different uh, tumor types. We've honed in on lung cancers. We had a look at all of those mutation data points. Um, now, just by a show of hands, who would really love to go and see, all right, does EGFR expression affect survival? So if you guys could hit that raise hand button if you are interested in looking at that survival data that's in TCGA, that would be awesome. Yeah, it looks like a couple of you are definitely interested in having a look at that. So once again, let's go over to our select view button. In select view, when we go down to RNA-seq quantification once again, so same place we were before, uh, we open it up with those two little arrows here. If we scroll down to the bottom of this little box here, you'll see that we have this RNA-seq survival view. So once again, Select view, RNA-seq survival view. Here we're gonna be presented with a survival curve of all of our EGFR mutant, or I'm sorry, expressing patients, where we will have our down-regulated EGFR in blue, we'll have our no change of EGFR in green, and then our up-regulated in uh, purple. The legend is also down here. Now, the thing with this is, is we are looking at all of our respiratory system cancers together. So the difference here really isn't super striking. So let's go ahead and try to split this chart out by um, at, uh, lung adenocarcinoma and then lung squamous cell carcinoma to see what the difference between these two individual ind indications, uh, what that looks like. So we're gonna go back up to our task tab on the right-hand side of the screen. And what we're gonna do here is we are going to choose this trellis by covariate. This is gonna allow us to trellis or to, um, like I like to call it in layman's terms, uh, break these charts out into individual counterparts. So here I'm gonna say trellis by covariate. And what I'm gonna say here is I want to look at our tumor types on individual plots. So here I'm gonna choose tumor type, hit my little arrow over button, make sure it's over here in the right hand uh, side of the screen and click on the okay button. We have this scroll down bar that shows up on the bottom to let us look through our two different charts that we just uh, busted out. So here we can see for our lung adenocarcinoma, we see a marked difference between our 
up expressing uh, patients versus our down and no change expressing patients. Versus if we scroll down, we'll see our lung uh, squamous cell carcinoma patients. But there isn't a huge, huge difference of things going on here between all of our down, up, and no change expressing uh, EGFR patients. Now, one tip and trick is if you wanted to look at all uh, both of these charts in one screen, you're able to do that by choosing this little drop down right here, where we can say maybe look at things in a one by two format. Or maybe you're a fan of like a landscape type thing where you can look at things in a two by one format. Um, feel free to play around with that. And of course, if you have multiple um, indications, you can try to bring them all into one screen by choosing some of these other uh, options in the list here as well. So at this point, I've already uh, given you a ton of information. So I would love to take a pause to see if there are any uh, questions that we got in chat at this time, Tim. Absolutely. And thank you very much, Kristen, for that uh, amazing first half of the presentation. What I'm going to do now is launch a speed feedback poll just to collect information about Kristen's case. And again, if you have any questions, feel free to let us know in the Q&A box. I'm also going to repaste the link to download the slide from today's training so that for those of you who joined a little bit later, feel free to download the slides. One of the questions that came, uh, came along is, can we compare KRAS in lung adenocarcinoma samples between germline and somatic patients? Yeah, absolutely. This would be a wonderful use case for creating um, perhaps different sample sets where we can, or omics data queries, where we can actually group samples based on their status for uh, mutations here. So I see in the chat, or rather in the Q&A box, Tim has very wonderfully pointed to exactly where you can go to have a look at these different uh, informations in uh, OmicSoft. But yeah, that's certainly something that is supported by Omicsoft. And um, reach, out, reach out to us on a like one-on-one -on -one basis, and we can walk through that with you um, as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this question and answer uh, really highlights the fact that there's tons of metadata associated with all of these samples. And it's the uh, just making sure you use the right metadata to group your samples and do further analysis. Now, another absolutely. question is, what if uh, a lot of customers, they're, they're wondering if they can find out what types of samples are in each land? Because we have lands for oncology, non-oncology, body maps, all of that. Yeah, great question. So here we have this huge list of all of these different lands. And you might be asking, all right, where do I even start my journey? How did Kristen choose TCGA? Um, what types of data are in it? So that is actually rather easy to answer. So if you go up here to the help menu, there are gonna be a bunch of different white papers that show up under this uh, release white paper. So if you, for instance, click on this Oncoland release, what it's gonna do is it's gonna open up a PDF document. That's gonna give you a list of all the stuff that's in Oncoland, it's going to give you descriptions of all of the different uh, all of the different collections, what's in them, what types of uh, samples are in them. Here's another very popular question: Is all right? You were talking about you know a harmonious pipeline, and everybody goes through the same exact thing. 
what does that pipeline look like so I can put my own samples through a similar pipeline to have a little bit more apples to apples. So in this white paper is also gonna be a ton of pipeline information. And then of course, your last bet is reach out to us, reach out to tech support or your uh, field application scientist, and we can definitely help you try to figure out what it is that you should be going after. Excellent. Thank you very much, Kristen. Uh, we highlighted uh, the metadata, we highlighted all the lands, and remember, there is both uh, samples for oncology and non-oncological. So Kristen, uh, if you could just um, perhaps just highlight those samples, that would be great. Great. So here, once again, in disease land, if you guys are not cancer researchers, disease land is going to contain all sorts of different uh, diseases, neuro, immunological, what have you, is all going to live in that disease land. And then all of our oncology-focused uh, samples are going to live in that Oncoland collection. So those are, yeah, those are two really heavy-hitting lands to visit. Absolutely. And the current pace is just fine from the feedback that we got, Kristen. And I know you have more than more to cover, so I'll hand the, uh, the baton back to you. Thank you so much, Tim. And thank you guys for being so interactive with your questions and raising your hand. Definitely keeps us on our toes and makes things a little bit more interesting uh, than just staring at a Zoom screen. All right, so uh, let's switch gears just a little bit. So we've been playing in Omic Soft, but let's flip over and have a look at IPA and start dabbling around in IPA and exploring EGFR in IPA. So I'm going to just bring back my slides for a uh, second to talk about um, what that's going to look like. So let's scroll forward. So now uh, you don't have to just take our word for um, you know using these two different softwares in your research needs. This is highly high. Both of these uh, both of these software are highly published on. If you just go to a quick Google Scholar search, you'll find lots and lots and lots of um, entries for both of these softwares. I grabbed just a smattering of a few different uh, papers that use both Omicsoft lands as well as IPA in their um, studies. You can see here, we don't just have cancer stuff, there's other diseases. So um, definitely feel free to use those disease uh, focused lands here. Now, how is IPA different than Omicsoft? Well, Omicsoft up until now, we've been chatting about and um, playing with, and you can think of Omicsoft as our sample collection. So that is where all of our highly curated sample data lives. So all of that Omics data lives in Omicsoft. On the other hand, what IPA is, is it's a repository of knowledge about all of the genes and proteins and everything that really powers the biology in our experiments. Now, all of that information is collected in the Kyogen Knowledge Base. And what the Kyogen Knowledge Base is, is over two decades, we have a, that same team of curation experts that are going out and they are reading those manuscripts, clinical trials, different data resources, um, using their physical eyeballs and not natural language processing. And they're taking all of the key takeaway information of how does this gene affect this gene? How does this gene affect this downstream function? So on and so forth. And they are boiling it down using controlled vocabulary and depositing it into our database. So this database now is a 
very easy to query and again, harmonize repository of information that contains um, all of that knowledge that you'd wanna see about these samples. Now this slide is slightly outdated or actually rather quite outdated. We are well above this 12.2 million research findings available in IPA. We now are topping the charts at almost 13 million findings. We're at 12.99 research findings. So you can imagine how much work and effort that has been over these last two decades. I want you guys to just sit back and imagine having to do something like this yourself, scrolling through PubMed, reading these papers and grabbing the key takeaways. Man, it's a lot of uh, effort and um, I certainly don't wanna be amassed in all of those papers for, for the rest of my life here. So we've done all that heavy lifting for you. Now it's all of this information that's really allowing IPA to take your data and allow for some really high quality causality prediction. Now, what are the things that sets IPA apart from some of the pathway analysis uh, software that are out there that might be uh, free is that we keep our, our knowledge base and all of our findings up to date. So we're doing weekly and quarterly updates with all of the latest and greatest findings and papers um, and incorporating them into the knowledge base. Now, that being said, if you're under license for IPA, we love getting customer requests. So if there is a paper that is super important to your uh, facet of research, reach out to us and we'll ensure that that paper makes it into our curation queue so it gets included in uh, releases of the Kyogen knowledge base here. So with that, let's pop over into uh, IPA. So I have that open on my other screen. I'm gonna bring that over here. So first things first, we give you a lot of ways to get started. So the first one is gonna be our quick start screen. There's lots of different uh, tutorials of how to process all sorts of different omics data, whether it is uh, mRNA, microRNA, uh, proteomic data, so on and so forth. Um, just by a raise of hands, who here is working with, say, uh, RNA-seq data? You could just give me, oh, great. Looks like a few of you are. Excellent, excellent. Now, how about proteomic data? Fabulous, a couple of you are. And then last one is going to be metabolomic data. Are you guys using any metabolomic data? Cool, looks like a few of you are got a whole bunch of different data types. So IPA is able to handle all of those as well as variant data, phosphoproteomics, all sorts of different omics data. So we will uh, give you uh, the tools to succeed with this software using all of these tutorials here. If you ever get stuck, we also do have this contacting support our support folks are very quick and very, very helpful with getting back to you. Another place where you can find a whole wealth of information is going to be up here in the help page. I'm sorry, in the help menu. Here you'll see tutorials as well as video tutorials. So if you're a learner that likes PDFs, we have something for you. If you're a learner that likes videos, we have those too. Um, along with all of the trainings like this one that you guys are attending right now, um, we offer weekly um, trainings, we offer one-on-one -on -one trainings, group trainings. So if you guys want to get up to speed, just reach out to us and we'll figure out how to make that happen for your group. So what we're going to do is we're going to generate a uh, custom network here, and that's what we're going to be using IPA for. So IPA is very famous for using 
uh, omics data, feeding it into IPA and looking at, all right, what top canonical pathways are coming out of my data? Are they activated? Are they inhibited? Uh, what are the upstream regulators? All of that. And that is, those types of things are covered in our new user training. But for today, what we're gonna do is we're gonna make a custom network here. So we're gonna play around with this search box at the very top of the screen. First things first, we're gonna go and search our genes and chemicals for our particular target of interest, which is EGFR and not KRAS. I don't know why my brain went to KRAS. Anyway, so here we can go and either choose it from this pick list or more uh, concisely, we can search for it. This is gonna give us a bigger list of things to choose from. So I definitely recommend going to the search uh, field here. Now for EGFR, we just have the one popping up. That's totally fine. But if you had any other synonyms or matching terms, those would also show up in this list here. So for today, what we're gonna do is we're gonna build a network where we take EGFR, we're going to select it using this little checkbox. And then what we're gonna do is we're gonna click on this add to my pathway. So checkbox, add to my pathway. It's gonna give us two options, which is saved my pathway. So if that's something that you uh, potentially had made a custom network before and you saved it, it would live there. In our case, we just want a blank canvas to play with EGFR on. So we're gonna choose this new My Pathway. So go ahead and select that. So here we have this blank canvas that is now titled New My Pathway 1. We have EGFR chilling in the middle of it all by its lonesome. So now the question is, we wanna connect this to some sort of downstream uh, disease or function to try to fill in the gaps and figure out what is the mechanism of action that's going on for EGFR in our lung cancers here. So what we're gonna do is we are gonna go back up to our search box at the top of the screen here. And now we're gonna switch over to our diseases and functions search. So let's go ahead and click on diseases and functions so it's highlighted in blue. We will now type in something that is relevant to our uh, disease of interest or our uh, a downstream outcome that's involved in the, in the disease of interest. So for instance, since we're looking at um, you know, uh, cancer, let's go ahead and look for something like proliferation. You guys are gonna see my spelling mistakes here. Proliferation of tumor cells, not call cells. Here we go. So we're gonna go ahead once again, either select it from the dropdown or hit search to have a view of everybody. I definitely recommend using the search button when we're looking for diseases and functions. Because we get this huge list, which is going to, first of all, really highlight the breadth of the knowledge base and all of the little nitty gritty details that we've collected behind the scenes in our knowledge base. But over here on the right-hand side, you also get to see this associated molecules. What this associated molecules is telling us is how broad this particular disease or function is. So for instance, here is our proliferation of tumor cells. That guy has 124 different matching associated molecules versus this pro proliferation of tumor cell lines 
which has 6,023 associated molecules. So this top one is a much more umbrella term than our proliferation of tumor cells. So let's go ahead and once again, select proliferation of tumor cells using our checkbox. And then we're gonna hit our uh, friend up here, add to my pathway. Now we've already started a canvas. That canvas's title is called new my pathway one. So let's pop it onto that canvas along with EGFR. So here you're gonna get a uh, pop-up asking, do you wanna simply add proliferation of tumor cells onto the canvas? Do you wanna add all, it actually looks like 1200 or so molecules associated with proliferation of tumor cells or do you wanna add both? To be honest with you, let's just go with diseases or functions. So then we can add in all the associated molecules in a much more orderly fashion. So we don't right out of the gate create a bird's nest. So here we're gonna say diseases are functions. And now we have proliferation of tumor cells alongside EGFR. So now the question is, let's uh, figure out how does EGFR affect proliferation of tumor cells? Now to do this, we're gonna crack into our build toolbox. At the top here, there's gonna be a bunch of different ways that we can grow or connect or hedge trim our different networks that we're building. But what we're gonna play with today is gonna to be our path explorer. So what we're gonna do here is we are going to ask the question of how does EGFR affect proliferation of tumor cells? So I'm gonna select EGFR just by drawing a box around it. I'm gonna add it into my set A box over here by clicking on add. I'll go back over to our canvas. I'll select proliferation of tumor cells, highlight it in blue, and I'll add it to set B. Now in the middle here, we have this directionality. This is what's allowing us to make a very kind of uh, pointed question of how does set A affect set B? So here we're gonna set it from set A to set B. If you wanted to filter or rule out a bunch of different data, you can, like for instance, if you're only concerned about kinases or you only wanna see stuff that is detectable in plasma or serum, feel free to use these filters. I definitely suggest um, erring on the side of caution when you use those, because you might rule out some important findings uh, with your filters that you actually might wanna see from the get-go. So it's better to start big and then use those hedge trimmers to kind of clip away things that you don't care about. So once we're satisfied with all that, we're gonna click on apply. What this is gonna do is it's gonna search IPA's database, knowledge base for all of the connections between EGFR and proliferation of tumor cells. So it looks like we have one shortest path between EGFR and proliferation of tumor cells. So let's add that connection onto the pathway. So I'm gonna go ahead and click that little checkbox, click on add to my pathway. And now we have this dashed line with some acronyms that pop up. Now, if you wanted to find out more about this relationship, just click on, double click on the line, and that will give you a little bit more information over here on the right. If you wanted to see the full expansive information, go ahead and click on this uh, link at the top here. This will bring you to a list that will have every single one of our findings from all 14 of the sources that are supporting that relationship between EGFR and proliferation of tumor cells.
Another thing to mention here, too, is you'll notice that we have a bunch of shapes and acronyms that are kind of hard to keep track of what they mean. What does this dashed line mean? Uh, up here in the help menu, there is going to be a uh, secret decoder ring for IPA that is not so secret. So that lives right here under legends. So when we click on legend, that is going to open up a web page that will give you everything that you'd want to know about these shapes and colors and lines that are showing up between all of these uh, nodes, which are genes, proteins, so on and so forth. All right, so now we've made this very boring network that just has one connection between the EGFR and prolif proliferation of tumor cells. So let's go and see if we can find any uh, intermediate kind of hops between these two items. So maybe there's genes that sit in between EGFR and proliferation tumor cells that might be interesting uh, to explore. So here we're gonna go to shortest paths one and we're gonna click the drop down box. And it shows here that we have shortest path plus one, there's 317 more uh, relationships to explore. So what we're gonna do now is we are just gonna grab some of the top hits here. So uh, just using those check boxes, gonna once again, kind of just scroll down the list and maybe we'll grab the top 15 of these relationships of the 317 different relationships. We're gonna add them into our pathway. So here we're gonna to go to that add to my pathway and you'll see them populating onto our network map. So here we have this um, kind of messy network that we just created together between EGFR and proliferation of tumor cells. Now we can spend time trying to move these apart from each other and making this pretty because maybe we'll wanna include it in a, uh, in a um, paper or a uh, lab update here, or we can go ahead and use our change layout button here. So this starburst at the very top. So here we can choose a bunch of different ways to display this network. One of them being subcellular, which takes and sorts all of these different nodes, genes, proteins, so on and so forth, into where do they live inside of the cell. So this can be super useful when you're trying to figure out, hey, what's a druggable target because it's just dangling on the plasma membrane, so on and so forth. Or if you want it to be um, artsy, you can do things like circular or organic, whatever floats your boat here. For now, I'm gonna choose a circular layout just so we can have a nice separation between our target of interest, our downstream disease and function, and then our 15 chosen intermediate uh, molecules that we've added into our network here. So now that we have built our custom network in IPA, let's go back to Omicsoft and really start digging into, hey, what are some interesting cell lines that we could potentially use at the bench to explore this network experimentally a little bit further? So let's flip back over into Omicsoft here. So first things first, we've been playing around in TCGA, but now we're gonna flip over to our CCLE. So here we're gonna go up at the top and go to select land. And here, what we're gonna do is we're gonna scroll down to our cell line collection. And from there, we're gonna choose our CCLE B38 GC33 uh, cell line land here. So once again, select land. 
cell line collection, uh, CCLE B38GC33. That is going to bring up this collection on our screen. Let's close out of our TCGA tabs just so we don't get confused. So we land on, hey, what are all of the different uh, disease state cell lines that we have available in CCLE? It's going to show up in the middle here. You'll see our um, legend over here showing us what types of disease states. So first things first, let's go and filter um, by our intended um, indications of interest. So once again, we're going to open up our metadata by clicking on that little uh, plus sign. And let's go choose some interesting filters to apply here. So to filter to our lung adenocarcinoma and our uh, lung squamous cell carcinoma, we could use something like a disease state right here. We could go to disease category and say respiratory uh, diseases. So let's actually go ahead and choose this disease state, Cellosaurus. So click on the filter icon which will bring us a pop-up window, which will allow us to either scroll through the list or type them in the search box at the top here. So uh, first one that we want to look at is going to be our lung adenocarcinoma. So here, I am also gonna choose our lung squamous cell carcinoma by holding down my control key and highlighting them both. So now we were able to hit uh, apply these filters to change what we see in the middle here. So I'm going to go ahead and click on that OK button. So now we just have lung cancer and some control samples that are showing up here. So uh, now that we've honed into the different uh, disease states that we want to look at, let's go and search for our gene of interest, just like we had done before. So again, this uh, search up here, we're going to look for EGFR and go ahead and click uh, Enter. What this is going to do is it's going to grab all the EGFR information for these uh, different samples or these different cell lines in the CCLE data. So once again, we land on this percent of altered samples for EGFR. Looks like we have quite a few uh, cell lines that have alterations for EGFR, and you can see what types they are over here. But what I want to uh, look at first is going to be um, the expression data for these different cell lines. So just like we did before in TCGA, you'll notice that a lot of these views are gonna be very similar and how you get to things are gonna be very similar depending on what collection you're uh, using. So we're going to go to select view. We're going to scroll down to um, RNA-seq quantification once again, and then we'll have a look at gene FPKM. So here we'll see our lung cancer and control samples, uh, and we'll look at the gene expression for EGFR across all of these different um, cell lines here. Now, if we wanted to, we can split this view into uh, the different cell line names or you can just very simply draw a box around them and find out what these cell lines are down below by looking at the information. So let's split these out by cell line names by going to task, specify profile columns. And then here we'll open up the metadata and what we're gonna do is we're gonna break these out um, by cell line name. So we're gonna select cell line name, 
hit our little arrow over button. And we're going to sort first by disease state and then cell line name and click OK. And now you'll see that we have a ton of different cell line names showing up for our lung cancers here. So again, feel free to draw boxes around them to get more information about these individual cell lines and what their information is. Now, the other thing that I wanted to explore with you guys today is going to be our uh, DEPMAP data or the uh, gene dependency score. So what we're gonna be looking at today is going to be the CRISPR knockouts that have been done for the DEPMAP project of a whole bunch of different genes and how it affects cell survival for individual cell lines. So remember, our lower series score is going to indicate that that knockout of the gene um, is pointing towards that that gene is more essential for cell line survival versus when we knock the gene out and it has a higher series score, it looks like this gene is actually less essential for cell line survival. These scores are going to range from a negative 2 to a positive 2 um, for all these different cell lines. So let's get back into Omicsoft. And once again, we're going to go to the Select View button here. So for the Select View button, what we're going to do is we are going to scroll down to where we see Gene Dependency Screening and open that one up. You'll notice in gene dependency screening, we have both CRISPR data as well as RNAi data. So that's the knocking down using RNAis. Today, we're just gonna be looking at the CRISPR water, waterfall data. So I'm gonna go ahead and click on that view, which will now take all of our cell lines and plot out the series score. So over here on the left-hand side, these are indicating cell lines that have a dependency on EGFR for cell line survival versus these guys over here, which have uh, less dependence on EGFR for cell line survival. Now down at the bottom here, we are defaulting to a sample ID, which is not entirely descriptive of what these cell lines are. So let's go and change that now. So what we're gonna do is we are going to uh, change the, um, I'm sorry, the, uh, x-axis um, labels here. So over under customize, change x-axis labels. You can see here right now we are labeled by sample ID. So let's go and grab our cell line uh, IDs and bring those into this uh, box. And we'll actually kick out sample ID because we don't care about it. And now we're going to hit OK. And you'll notice that all of those sample ID or the uh, cell line IDs are showing up instead of those weird uh, cell line IDs. You can also hover over, draw a box around them to get more information down below. And then one thing I actually have not mentioned <clears throat> throughout this webinar is that all this stuff is exportable. So you can grab an Excel spreadsheet of your selected samples. You can grab an image of this waterfall plot or again, an Excel spreadsheet of your samples, so on and so forth. So these exports are available throughout um, all of Omicsoft for all of these different views that we've gone through today. So just by a raise of hands, who thinks that they're gonna be using this DEPMAP or gene dependency data for their research in the future? 
Yeah, I think it's pretty it's pretty reasonable to um, think about choosing cell lines using this data. It really helps you hone into, all right, what are some uh, easily kind of manipulated cell lines for my gene of interest versus some of these could be some uh, interesting, maybe negative controls, so on and so forth. So at this point, we've covered a lot um, once again today. So I'd love to take another break and see if we have any questions that have popped up in uh, chat. Thank you very much, Kristen. Definitely a lot of very useful and very informative information that you provided and uh, and definitely something that, uh, that would be useful for research. So in terms of questions, uh, maybe I could get started with the, with the question while people are typing them in. Can I search for public data within IPA? Um, is there a way to do so? Absolutely. So let's pop over back into IPA. So we were playing around with the search box at the top here, and we were using the genes and chemicals, the diseases and functions. If you wanted to go and look for potentially a uh, long admin cursor, NOMA data sets, if you have um, a particular data set that you have the accession um, number for, feel free to use our data sets and analysis search. Type in what you're looking for into the search box, hit search, and you'll end up with a whole list of publicly available studies that are available to um, look at in IPA. Um, we have also created core analyses for all of that publicly available data. So it's really easy to um, view that data and kind of get a good idea of what's going on with it. Great. And is it possible to save custom pathways in IPA? Absolutely. So let's say we wanted to save this particular custom pathway that we built together. The save uh, icon is going to be up here in the top left-hand corner of the screen. So you can click that to save it into a uh, folder inside of IPA. For So then you can come back and play around with it more, um, edit it, overlay it with different information, all sorts of different tools. Excellent. Great, great information. Thank you very much, Kristen. I know you have more to cover, so I'll hand it back to you. Little bit left to cover here. We might run um, just a couple minutes over time. Um, hopefully not, but if we are running over time, thank you guys so much for joining, and you can catch up with us on that recording there. Okay, so let's go back into uh, Omicsoft and visit our last uh, collection called links. So you guys should be old hat at this by now. We're gonna go up to select land and we're gonna scroll down until we see our disease land collection. And then we're gonna select our links uh, land here. So disease land collection and then links. So like I said before, this is a collection of a whole bunch of different cell lines that have been treated with all sorts of different chemicals, different genetic perturbagens, uh, different drugs, what have you. So this is a really wonderful place where we can take the cell lines that perhaps we've selected in CCLE and see what happens when we uh, treat them with different types of treatments here. So we can look at the drug response, what the dosage is, what the time point was, all sorts of things here. So first things first, let's go ahead and search for our target of interest. So EGFR, hit search. The Omicsoft thinking screen pops up. <clears throat> so 
So now we're going to be looking at all sorts of different comparisons that include um, different types of uh, different types of drugs and how it affects specifically EGFR. So let's start narrowing down into um, different cell lines that we are specifically interested in, and also different uh, treatments that we are specifically interested in that might affect EGFR. So first things first, let's go and apply some filters. So under case attributes, let's open up those filters. And let's say we are interested in just broadly looking for our disease category. Open up the filter icon to get our pop out. And then we're gonna go and choose our respiratory system cancer. So this is gonna grab all of our respiratory system cancer cell lines that are available in links. Now we can go and apply another filter to try to hone in onto what type of treatment uh, do we want to investigate. So if you know of a very specific drug name that you're after, you can try to apply that filter here in case treatment, or you can visit the uh, treatment group uh, metadata field at the bottom here. So I'm gonna open that up and pop up that pop up here pop out here using that filter icon. And this will take all of those treatments and group them into similar kind of uh, items. So for our case, I'm gonna scroll down and what I wanna look for is uh, the kinase signaling. And I want to focus in on our protein tyrosine kinase uh, treatments here. So kinase signaling and PTK. So I'm gonna go ahead and click on okay. So now what this has done is it has helped apply a respiratory system um, uh, filter for all of those cell lines. And it's also looking for specifically protein tyrosine kinase uh, perturbogens that these cell lines have been treated with. Now using that taskbar, you can take this bubble plot and perhaps split it up by uh, what dosages were important to say a fatinib or a crizotinib, so on and so forth. So by visiting that task tab, you can do a whole multitude of different things like change our symbol properties. We can visit our friend's specified profile columns to maybe uh, change how we're viewing things grouped in the middle here. So maybe we want to say uh, treatment and maybe we want to uh, group this by disease state and then treatment. The world really is your uh, oyster here. So feel free to play around with everything that you see here. And when in doubt, you can always use this little search box up at the top here to say, I'm interested in adding treatment uh, into uh, the mix here. So we're just going to click on OK, and it will reorganize what we see in the middle here. So this is a really excellent way to say, all right, what are some perturbogens that are going to elevate my... Uh, my uh, EGFR or knock it down when we hover over these, or rather when we select these bubbles using a drag uh, of the box, you'll get all of the information down below. So you can really whittle down your list of different treatments to try out or different combination therapies maybe to consider when we're looking at, um, when we're looking at this links data.
Okay, so let's go back to IPA and uh, finish out the rest of this webinar um, there over in IPA. So we have built this custom network right from scratch where we connected EGFR to proliferation of tumor cells and filled in the gaps here. Now let's do some in silico testing. So here we're gonna go into our overlay toolbox and we are gonna open up that toolbox and choose our molecule activity predictor. So once again, in the overlay toolbox, we are going to open up the toolbox and choose our molecule activity predictor tool. So here what we can do is we can simulate what happens if we were to increase or decrease the expression of one of these nodes in the network, and then based on that, what happens to the entire network around it, including that downstream proliferation of tumor cells? So using these red and green colors, we're gonna simulate upregulation or downregulation, which will then predict either an activation or an inhibition of downstream genes and diseases and functions. So to do so, we're gonna go over here to our little paint buckets, and we're gonna choose this red paint bucket first. So I'm gonna click on the red paint bucket. And then what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna travel over to our network map and I'm gonna click on EGFR and color it red. When I color that node red, what that's doing is it's indicating that we're having an increased measurement of EGFR, which then in turn seems to be activating most of the things in the network, except for um, some of these that are popping up in blue, which is pointing towards that inhibition and activation. But all in all, that overall signal is contributing to an increase of the proliferation of tumor cells here. So that kind of checks out with what we know about EGFR. Now we can do the opposite and go grab the green paint bucket over here on the left and then color EGFR with green just by clicking on it. And we'll see the inverse kind of uh, thing happening here where most of our genes downstream are now getting uh, inhibited and then in turn inhibiting the proliferation of tumor cells. So really easy way to just quickly test out hypotheses and um, figure out if you're sniffing up the right tree here. So the last thing that I wanted to show you guys today, um, give us a raise of hands. Would you like the ability to go and search for publicly available data sets that share similar biology to what we are seeing on this network map here. So give me a raise of hands if you wanna just quickly search for publicly available data sets that share similar uh, biology. Yeah, lots of us always wanna find um, other data sets that, that look like ours, right? To try to figure out what other indications might be interesting to explore, what other treatment types might be out there. So let's go and set this network to our disease state network. So we're gonna have our increase of EGFR and this increase of pro uh, proliferation of tumor cells. Once we've done that, we can go up at the top here under pattern search. So what pattern search is going to do is it's gonna take the pattern that we see on our screen here and ask where else do I see uh, this type of thing happening out in publicly available data. So here I'm gonna expand, open this uh, screen to give us a little bit more room. What we're looking at is a volcano plot that doesn't look very volcano-y. However, 
This volcano plot will have a positive z-score over on the right-hand side of the screen. This is indicating that we are matching to our previously viewed disease state uh, network of interest. And then our negative z-scores are going to show us situations where we are anti-matching to our disease state, or we're looking more like a normal kind of state of being for that particular network of interest. Now, I know we're used to looking at volcano plots where each dot is a gene. In this case, these dots are indicating this is one individual data set or comparison that lives in IPA um, and is one of the publicly available um, analyses. So what we can do is we can draw a box around some interesting matching uh, uh, data sets here. So these green data sets have been selected. And you can see down here as we scroll down the list, of course, it's a bunch of other different cancer types. So this is going to show us that maybe renal clear cell carcinoma might be an interesting indication to go after with um, an EGFR uh, inhibitor here. So when we click on the individual data sets, you can see that we get some metadata that appears up in the uh, top right-hand corner of the screen that gives us more details on these data sets. And then if you wanted to examine the core analysis for these data sets, just go ahead and double click on the analysis name itself. Now the inverse is over here. Here's our anti-matching data sets. So when we hover or when we select these data sets, one of the things that you might notice is that we see a lot of treatments start popping up here. So lots of treatment-focused data sets or comparisons are showing up. So these are situations where these different disease or these different treatments are taking that disease state sample and moving it more towards that normal state. So these individual uh, data sets might have interesting treatments that would be uh, cool to examine to see maybe this would be an interesting treatment for EGFR mutant uh, cancers or maybe these would be interesting combination therapies um, to try out with the drug of interest that you're uh, playing with. So lots of information here to look at. Um, so I actually, uh, am a, I'm gonna end it here. It looks like we ended right on time at 2.30. So I do wanna thank you guys for how, uh, participating along today, uh, typing all your questions in chat and raising your hand um, many times. So at this point, I would love to take any remaining questions that you guys might have had um, that came up along the way. So, Tim, you're on mute. There we go. Thank you very much, Kristen, for that amazing presentation. Uh, there is a question in the Q&A box in regards to clinical trial drugs and whether those drugs are FDA approved or not. Is there a particular field? Um, yeah, so I'm going to show you both of that in uh, IPA and OPICSoft. So if you wanted to go and look up a uh, drug and try to figure out, is it been used in clinical trials? We can once again utilize our genes and chemicals. What I'm going to do here is I'm just going to quickly search for l -pelicib. So this is actually a PIK3CA inhibitor, and I spelt it wrong. So I'm going to use a wild card search here. When in doubt, if your spelling is as bad as mine, 
use an asterisk for your um, searches here and it will look for things that start with, uh, L with LPEL. So here we're gonna search by genes and chemicals for LPELICIB, hit that search button. And now we have this LPELICIB showing up here. What we can do now is just click on this uh, link right here. So this is actually a blue link that will bring us out to the ChemView page for LPELICIB that will give us everything that we'd ever wanna know about this particular drug, including what indications has it been used in for different clinical trials, what approval status is it, who was doing it, and then of course the NCT numbers. And if we scroll down the list, Apelisib has been used a lot. Um, another interesting piece of information is what are the targets for Apelisib and what type of um, action does it have on those targets? So that is one way to look for uh, a particular um, drug. You can also go and search in data sets and analyses, type in your drug name to try to search to see do we have a publicly available data set where Alpelisib was used before that's available in IPA? And then in Omicsoft, let me scroll back over to Omicsoft. Um, in say, uh, let's go into um, TCGA. In the metadata, you'll have a lot of different information here to search from you also have a ton of different clinical data here. So if you want to really dig into what types of uh, treatments these patients received, what procedures they might've received, um, there's a ton of information in here. So if you wanted to um, just use that search box at the top to say, uh, you know, what chemo have they used? So I'm just typing in the word chemo and you can see that a bunch of different metadata fields do have chemo as one of the uh, keywords that are showing up. So lots of different ways to look for clinical uh, data as well as um, you know treatment status. Great, well, thank you very much for that, Kristen. So just one more question before we end it. Is there other ways of accessing Omicsoft data uh, other than just using the GUI? Absolutely. So. We have this GUI that is you know, pretty easy to navigate around, but if you prefer to do things on a more programmatic basis, we do have the availability of um, flat files for downloads, as well as API access. So we have a hosted API that you can um, slice and dice your data using that instead of this uh, graphical user interface. Great, great. And if you have any questions about how to access that, the content using programmatic uh, API, feel free to reach out to our licensing team. We also have Brittany on the call right now. So feel free to use the chat box, let her know that you're interested in that. But with that, just once again, thank you very much, Kristen, for that wonderful, uh, wonderful presentation, wonderful story. And uh, with that, we'll just uh, stay online for maybe another 30, 40 seconds to see if there are any additional questions coming in through the Q&A box or through the chat box. Once again, thank you very much all for attending today's webinar. And please feel free to reach out if you have any technical, scientific, or licensing questions. It's been a pleasure, guys. And then one more thing too, Tim did share that post-training survey um, link in the chat. 
If you have any uh, bits of feedback you would love to give us, um, what we should cover in the future, um, all of that you know, type of feedback, please visit that link in the chat box um, to give us that information. And with Thank that, you. I wish you all uh, happy holidays as well if you are gonna be celebrating in the next couple of weeks. It's wild that we are at the end of December now. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>